Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It is Thursday, March 18th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Before we started recording today's show that started as a Sportsbeat Live, I wondered how long it would take our group that includes Royals beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam Mellinger to talk about Bobby Witt Jr. Now, I planned the show, and I was going to get to Witt in the second half, but no... We spent about the first 20 minutes discussing the player who's become something of a sensation, and we debate whether he'll break camp with the team and appear on the opening day roster. But we also talk pitching, especially the bullpen, and we'll hear from Royals reliever Josh Stamont and his battle with COVID-19. We also hear from you answering your questions. So let's get started talking Royals and Bobby Wood Jr. with Lynn Worthy and Sam Mellinger. Hey, good morning, and uh, good morning from Kansas City, where it is cold and rainy and snowy in some areas, and we cannot wait for baseball weather. And welcome to Sports Beat Live, the weekly show where we talk Royals with the Kansas City Star reporters and columnists who know them best, and we talk Royals with you. So please send us your questions and comments about the Royals. We will get to as many of them as we can. Let's welcome in Lynn Worthy uh, and Sam Mellinger. Good morning, guys. How you doing? What's up? Good morning. Yep. So um, I thought we would start today talking a little pitching and uh, starting pitching. The Royals off to a you know great start in the Cactus League. Uh, I guess we should say uh, today marks it was a two the final two weeks, right? Two weeks to go. Two in weeks Cactus from today. There we, there we go. Opening day. So. Um, Starting pitching has been pretty good throughout the uh, throughout spring training, except the last couple of days. Um, when I was starting to think about what we were going to talk about on Tuesday, I was thinking, man, starting pitching has just been phenomenal. And then Brad Keller had the outing that he did, and Mike Miner followed it up with with his kind of poorish outing on um, on Wednesday. So, Lynn, what, what do we? What, what do we make of starting pitchers' spring training outings? What kind of conclusions can we make, or can you make any conclusions? As long as they're healthy, <laughs> I mean that's that's basically what you're looking for. I mean, um, when I mean, cause like Danny Duffy threw what like four no hit innings the other day. Those innings aren't going to count once the season starts. Like that doesn't mean first start out for the regular season he's going to you know be lights out. Um, it just like you don't read so much into that. You don't read so much into Keller, you know, having some command issues. So it's uh, or minor having some command issues. Um, they're healthy. They're building up the pitch counts. They're moving towards opening day um, and they still have starts left. So, I mean, and even if, you know, next week the start is a little rough. I don't know if you read so much into that either, but really it's, you know, it's. In in talking to them, I think it's more so, you know, there's frustration just because there's stuff that they want to get done that they're not getting done in those starts, but it's not, you know, panic, sound the alarm type of time. All right, Sam, I can get excited about uh, Bobby Wood Jr., but I can't be down on starting pitching. Is that is that how this works? <laughs> well, I mean, Lynn, Lynn said everything that needed to be said when he said, like, are they healthy? <laughs> you know, like, that's basically the whole thing it's important to remember like we are um we're watching practice right like i mean that that's that's what this is we we are just we're watching practice and the same way if you go see a basketball practice and a guy 
you know, misses five out of six threes or whatever. That doesn't mean he's a bad shooter. Um, you know what I mean? And, and the, the further complication with, with spring training is just, you don't know, maybe a guy's just throwing all changeups or, you know, maybe he's refusing. He, he doesn't want to throw fastballs high. He, he's just, he's working on something, just kind of testing things out. He just, I think they get a little bit more important as, as we get closer to, to opening day. But I mean, this is why I'm not like when they were 11 and three or 12 and three or whatever it was, it's not, they don't get to fly a flag for that. So I'm not, you know, you don't get mad about Brad Keller. Now, Bobby Witt, and, and I think it's important for, um, for people, <laughs> I, I hope I can say this, this is not, you know, it's private email, but when you were laying out the plan for the show, you, you said, we're going to see how long we can go without mentioning Bobby Witt. And I, what do we make it like 90 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, well, I, I brought him up first. So almost in the intros. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a wild thing. I mean, this is, um, I mean, everything in the world the last 12 months is basically without precedent. But, the, like, the Royals are facing something that, they, you know, big league teams just have no playbook for. I mean, it, it's crazy what the, the decision. They've got a 20-year-old kid who is as gifted as, as a baseball player can be. Um, the extent of his official professional experience is 37 games in, like, rookie ball or fall league or whatever whatever we call it. And, um, and and the decision, one of the complications, look, he looks the part, you know, he doesn't really take bad swings, you know, he doesn't look over Matt, like all those things, but God, he's 20 years old. You, you'd like to let him hit in double A or whatever. But the, the difference is it's not, you know, in a typical year, like when Alex Gordon broke camp, um, you know, as a rookie and the, the decision then was, do we put Alex in the big leagues and, and his first uh, plate appearance is going to be against Kurt Schilling, or do we put him in, you know, double A or triple A? But it would have been triple A at that point. Um, this decision is: do we put Bobby Witt Jr. Um, on on the opening day roster? Where, by the way, he he, he would face his childhood favorite team, um, you know, one of the teams his dad pitched for, all those things. Um, yeah, or, or or do we put him in the alternate site, which um, is going to be Northwest Arkansas? It's just, just something less than competitive baseball. So it's it's just it's a super complicated deal um and, and made more interesting just because the royals are honest about their development a lot a lot of clubs would um oh i think he needs like three weeks to stay down so we get that extra year of service time on the back end the royals don't do that it, it's gonna whatever they decide it's gonna be because they, they believe this is what's best for the kid well let me uh change the script here since we have uh we veered off of uh, starting pitching gone right into <laughs> it's like a magnet it's the bobby Witt magnet like that's all <laughs> I'm I'm just still uh, I, I I gotta say I'm surprised that Sam didn't veer off into the we're talking about practice because that's all I kept hearing in my head when he as soon as he said practice <laughs> I just kept hearing we're talking about practice not a game practice not a game practice that's what we're talking about here um, and you know since we veered off into the Bobby Witt um, I guess the question that I keep coming back to is, and, and I think Sam, you touched on it is um, I'm just not sure how much urgency there should be because I think there's urgency. There's like the, you know, the makeshift or, you know, the, the ginned up urgency because, you know, folks like us and whoever else on the radio and the TV and everybody's, ah, we got to see Bobby Witt. But I'm not sure, like if I'm the Royals, if we, I'm not sure that there's a real, like, you know, urgency that we have to get him out there for opening day. I mean, like, I'm not saying that it doesn't have to happen, but I'm not sure what you 
and, and I and I understand is the ultimate site. So he's going to be sort of in this limbo for probably at least a month before the minor league season starts. But I don't know if I say, well, we got to have him on opening day roster because we don't want to send him to the offense site. Like I'm not sure what the what the level of urgency is or where it should be. I guess is what I still keep coming back to. Yeah, it's it's just it's about what's best for him, and and it's a legitimate question. Like reasonable, smart baseball people can disagree on this, right? Like even if, if, take out the service time, um, and and you 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 can make a reasonable, logical case that um, look, we, we're going to have this thing set up in Northwest Arkansas where it's not going to be competitive minor league games, but maybe we can get some some scrimmages or some gameish action for those guys against other prospects who are a step or a step and a half from the big leagues. Maybe you, you can make a logical case that that's better. And you can make a logical case that, look, this kid is different and he's almost 21. I mean, he's, he's young, but he's not 17. You know what I mean? Um, and you can make the case that this guy is different. Um, every, every challenge that, that, that has been presented, he has met. Um, he doesn't look overwhelmed by anything. You know, one of the things that we've all heard Dayton say a million times is, is, is hitters cannot develop beyond the level of pitching that they're facing. And so is it redundant to have him go to double a, um, you know, and, and we can talk about that alternate site last summer, but I think the Royals look at Soli Mateus and a few other guys that, that were at that alternate site. And I think they think those guys improved a lot more than than maybe they expected. And so maybe there is some more usefulness of of those situations than maybe um, a lot of people would have thought a year ago. So it's it's again, it's it's a real I'm, I'm not there is no clear answer, you know, and that's why it's so interesting. Um, but God, it's it's uh, it's been a long time since the Royal. I mean, Mondesi has a ungodly ceiling you know if, if he ever you know pitch recognition is the thing right but um bobby witt jr is is different i mean that you know when when he came out you guys remember this jim callis who i think is, is more qualified than maybe anybody on the planet to make this call called bobby witt jr the best prospect best shortstop prospect since alex rodriguez better than chipper jones better than a lot you know uh that's it, it's pretty remarkable and and he just hasn't he, he's lived up to that so far. Hadn't played a big league game. I get that, but it's, um, he looks the part, man. He absolutely looks the part. He yeah, does. Just a couple thoughts to add to that. Um, you, you mentioned Alex Gordon and of course, Alex was a, you know, what was three years at Nebraska before yeah. he, you know, so he was older when he, when he, uh, left his amateur status and he played a full season in the Texas league. Remember yep. at Wichita was the Texas league player of the year. I can't remember how old he was when he made his Royal debut, but it had to be 23, 24. Um, uh, so a little, little bit of difference there. The other thing, and, and this is, a you know, as Witt continues to play well, Bobby Witt continues to play well in surprise. One of the new developments this week was the the approval of teammates, of, of, of players on the major league roster weighing in on, on Witt's progress, Hunter Dozier, uh, Witt Merrifield, um, you know, uh, a, a singer, all, you know, being asked about Bobby Witt and singing, singing his praises. Th- that's significant, isn't it, uh, Lynn, that at least, you know, he's got the, you know, he's got the approval of the clubhouse, it seems. Yeah, I mean, part of that, I think, is the, um, 
sort of the, 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 the whether you want to call it the culture or just the, the nature of the, the Royals clubhouse where they're not going to take a young guy and be like, yeah, get out of here, kid. Like until you've you know had a couple years in, we don't want to hear from you and we don't want to nobody's going to give you, you know, your your props. That's not the way that they are in the Royals clubhouse. I mean, like you hear different things in, you know, where there's that, you know, the veteran culture. And I think um, I think I've even I think Mike Matheny's even talked about this, not with the Royals, but just like when he was coming up, like a young player, when he was coming up was to be seen and not heard. Like you were just supposed to be like part of the furniture, like that nobody's, you know, and you're not going to get that sort of attention and they're not going to really acknowledge you. Um, the Royals aren't like that. They haven't been like that, at least since I've been around. I think they pride themselves on that. I've heard, you know, Gordo and Witt and different guys talk about that was sort of the thing that started back with like some of those younger guys with Moose and those guys. They didn't, they didn't have that in the clubhouse. So I think that's part of it. But another big part of it is that Bobby is just sort of that, you know, he's people who've met him and I've met him a few times. I sat down with him, you know, back years ago at his house when he got drafted. He's just really humble and he's just, you know, he doesn't come off as a guy who's, you know, a me first or anything like that. And I think that's the other big part of it is just like he's he fits in and he's not trying to be, you know, um, trying to act like he's any sort of uh, bigger than anybody else because he was number two draft pick or because he, you know, grew up around big leagues or his old man or any of that sort of stuff. He's just not that way. He's about as humble and wholesome and just a good kid. So that's a big part of it. But I think the other part of that is just the culture of the Royals. Yeah, I, I, I get the sense, and Lynn, you, you probably know this better than I would, but um, I, I get the sense that the front office being very, very open-minded um, in Dayton Moore's direct description uh, about putting him on straight on the the big league team is that they wanted to see that they wanted to see exactly what we're talking about of how his teammates would and I think they figured this is how it would go um, but you know we've seen and look I love Billy Butler he, he's one of my favorite all time Royals but that was different you know and and it's also true that the context you know Billy was getting transitioned into the big leagues where Trey Hillman was the manager and the dominant personality in that clubhouse was Jose Guillen. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a lot different than, you know, the, these are team first. This is, you know, Whit Merrifield and Hunter Dozier. You know, th- those are the personalities now. But they absolutely wanted to see that because there's, I mean, um, look, Sal Perez, you know, could have been a little bit, I don't know about this guy. You know, there, there's some, you know, there's some stuff, you know, there's some stuff. And 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 Bobby Whit Jr. has, has cleared those hurdles. And, and to me, I mean, we know how the Royals operate. Like we, this has been true since 2006 when Dayton took the job and that stuff is, you know, we can debate whether it should be, but that clubhouse stuff and how you get along and how you are as a teammate and all that stuff, that's as important to them as, you know, uh, you know, what, what do you do in a one, two count when you're, when you're looking slider or whatever? I mean, they, they, they believe in that a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember having conversations last year with guys, um, you know, it's not, this is aside from Bobby Witt, but I mean, I remember talking to guys like Nick Heath and I'm trying to remember some of the other young guys just talking about how the guys who'd been around for a couple of years were embracing them during spring training. This was before, obviously, this is like when you could still actually go out to dinner and stuff like that. But like, you know, vets being like, Hey, what are you doing? All right, you're going to come out to eat with us and stuff like that. And I remember, I think Heath in particular jumps out because he was just sort of like, he was, telling me how he was surprised. He didn't expect it was going to be like that, but that's, you know, how the Royals are. And I remember talking to some of the veterans saying that, yeah, it's, it's different there than in some other places. Um, and just getting off another tangent, it's sort of, 
interesting to think about, you know, that Matheny, you mentioned Hillman. Matheny is the one who's in charge of this team. And that was one of the supposed knocks that, you know, we always that we had heard coming out of St. Louis was that the young players and the way he handled some of that. And, you know, um, you know the, yeah. specifically with the, the relief pitcher there and all that sort of stuff. But all that sort of has been gone. It's just um, interesting to think about, you know, a year ago, those questions were still sort of in the air as far as Royals people think about Matheny. And now it's like, you know, as far as we can tell, he's he's on board for Bobby Witt. He's just not going to – he's just – he's tempering his – what he's – how he comments and trying not to raise expectations or anything like that. To us, right? Yes, but to us. Yes, that, to us. Yeah, I think – That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I think what he says to Dayton and Renee and all those guys is, is, is probably um, – a little bit different. That's a smart point that you make though, Lynn, about, you know, the difference between um, St. Louis and here. Um, it, it's just, God, it's, it's the, the one other thing too, is that like, this is a little bit of an older clubhouse. And, and I know like, it's easy to say like selfish ball players and all that stuff, but like, it is natural. Like Hunter Dozier was the eighth pick in the draft, but Hunter Dozier has had a lot of ups and downs and injury, you know, all these other things. Like he's had to scrap to get where he is. Uh, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. When he signed, um, you know, out of, out of the draft, out of high school, he made more money than Whit Merrifield made, you know, until Whit Merrifield signed his extension, probably, you know, I'd, I'd double check the math there, but I'm 99% truth, you know, sure. That sounds about right. And so, I mean, there's, there's just some natural, that doesn't make if, and, and by all accounts, Whit hasn't, you know, but if Whit looked at that, like, screw this guy, you know, like, why, why does he have to earn it? Like I earned it. That, that would not make Whit a bad guy. That would make Whit a human. You know what I mean? And so I, I do think that it's it's notable that there does not seem to be. And look, we're not in the clubhouse. We, we can't get the same feel for these things as we could, you know, in the before times or whatever. But um, there, there just doesn't seem to be a speck of, of jealousy or screw this kid or anything like that uh, fr- from those older guys, which is, is very, very notable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also like it sounds or it might sound almost like it's an old school type of a thing. But like I think back to um, I think the I got the book sitting over here somewhere um, in my apartment, but um, homegrown um, Alex Spear from the Boston Globe wrote the story about um, the last Red Sox uh, uh, World Series team. And when that young group was coming up, this wasn't like, you know, 20 years ago, this was fairly recent. When some of those guys first, like Mookie Betts and Bogarts and those guys first hit that clubhouse, the veterans on that group weren't exactly as welcoming. It it sort of took uh, some shifting out for them to be able to, you know, have those guys dancing in the outfield and all that sort of stuff. Like that wasn't, that was not the culture when they first got there. So this isn't like a 20, 30 years ago thing. This is, this still happens in certain places depending on your clubhouse dynamics. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and baseball is, is, is changing, you know, like let the kids play. And I mean, there, there's some real, you know, bat flips are accepted a lot more than, than they used to be, but it, it is by far the most, you know, the NBA, NFL, I don't know much about the NHL, but you know, the, the NBA and the, and the NFL are kind of, you know, if you go, can you play then, then let's roll. But in, in major league baseball, there is, it's just a little bit of a different paying your dues kind of deal. And, and that's baked into the CBA how service time is, is done, free agency, all those things. I mean, that 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 stuff is real, wh- whether it should be or not. Um, it, it, it really is. And so for him to like sort of – he's not skipping the line, but for him to sort of like jump <laughs> ahead in the line, I guess, uh, is really significant. It says a lot about his talent because you can't do it without, you know, the 15 tools, as Brady Singer says. But uh, it, it also takes just a next-level 
you know, sort of attitude. And then, and, and there's a lot of credit there that goes to, I mean, he gets the credit, he's the one doing it, but you know, his parents, uh, you know, coaches coming up. I mean, people who have, have raised that kid in the right way. Well, Larry Looper, one of our uh, loyal uh, audience members here, is on team Bobby Wood Jr. Um, says, uh, I'm a Dayton Moore fan, but the process has held back our pitching, unnecessary delays, um, good enough to be in the show. Um, MLB TV lists Wood Jr. as the number one prospect. Is that true? Is there something – is he on the is he on the top of the list? Mm, he, he, he top of the Royals list. I don't think. I mean, I, I I don't. I have not seen any list that I've seen that has Bobby Wood Jr. above Wanda Franco. I'll just put it that way. I mean, um, I think Baseball America's um, latest list had Bobby Wood at like number sixteen in baseball, and I think MLB Pipeline had him. I think higher, but I know Baseball America had him at like number sixteen. So I'm not sure where he's seeing number one. I, I think. Wanda Franco from Tampa Bay is um, across the board, been number one, at least as far as I know. And for a while, right? He was the number one prospect. Yeah, yeah. And he's, and, you know, not to stir anything up, but he was optioned to the minor leagues or assigned to the minor leagues just in this last week. All right. So before we leave the (laughs) the Bob Wood Jr. topic, uh, Lynn, I know that you have, uh, you've been pretty steadfast in your belief that that's, that's what's going to happen to Bobby Witt. He will um, he will not be with the club on opening day. I don't. But that would list things change from week to week. You, you, you still you're still in that camp. Yeah, I mean that's still sort of what I expect. But I don't know if I'm as um, steadfast as I maybe I, I once was. Um, but uh, I mean I think it's a possibility. I just. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think he's you know he's he's making it a decision. Whereas I thought maybe coming in that it was almost uh, uh, assured that he'd start in the minors. I think now it's, I don't know if it's assured. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. I don't know if it's assured. And it still might be. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong or anything like that. I just, uh, I think he's going to make it a question. The, yep. uh, a question that's getting asked a lot more than thought it was going to be asked a month ago. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Paul Brashears asks, uh, center field, still a question mark. Um, who's that going to be? Most agree Merrifield will get beat up out there, uh, being out there all year. Uh, so let's just break down center field. Um, it's, it, it's, it's Michael Taylor, uh, right. But what, 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 um, you know, when it's not Taylor, what, uh, in, in, and I see Taylor in the, you know, in the eight hole right now. Um, so what are, what are the other options possibly for the Royals in center field, Lynn? 
I mean, that, that's Michael Taylor. I think they've been pretty strong about that's Michael Taylor's job to lose from the moment they signed him. That was sort of the idea. And then you do have Dyson as a backup um, as far as, you know, a defensive guy, speed guy, a, a guy who can play the outfield. Um, and I'm not sure. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not sure whether or not and not as an every def, I definitely think he's an everyday guy, but I'm not sure whether or not Bubba's going to be an option uh, off of the bench this year or not. I think that's one where I think depending on what they decide to do with that roster, as far as how many guys they keep coming out of opening day or going into opening day, um, he may not be on the roster. Remember, he signed a minor league contract. Um, so, but that's that's Michael Taylor's job to lose. Uh, Witt's going to be in right field for as far as I can tell, and I mean he still keep that versatility. But um, but that's it, your your outfield is going to be Benintendi and left, Taylor and right, Witt and I mean. Taylor and center and Witten right. That's that's what your opening day outfield should look like. With with Dozier at third, Mondesi at short, Nicky Lopez at second, Carlos Santana Maybe. at first. <laughs> <laughs> See that that was Sam who said that. That was Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. All right. Um, let's return to pitching just for a moment, but let's let's go to the bullpen and. Um, Lynn, were you uh, were you surprised with the the, the Zuber move? Uh, he's headed to the minor leagues. I was, but my uh, understanding is that there was um, there were a couple things that they just they've seen with him in camp that they feel like he needs to get straightened out. Like basically, like there's there's some stuff that's off. There's some stuff that he needs to fix, and they. Um, they made the decision. It's like, yeah, you're going to have to go down and fix these. And so, I mean, I, I, my understanding is they, you know, they brought him in, sat him down. Like it was one of those conversations that was sort of a, they don't want to have, but they felt like they needed to have it now for the long run. And I said, okay. Cause I mean, he was a guy who was up last year and they were talking about him as a big part of that bullpen. And it's not that they're giving up on that. I think they just like, you know, there's, you know, over the course of the off season and, and everything. And then just in spring training, there's some stuff that have maybe taken a little bit of a step back. We need to get that fixed. And you're going to be in the minors to start off. Well, a good piece of news from uh, from the bullpen this week was the return of of Josh Stalmont. and uh, he had uh, how many how much time had he missed Lynn with uh, with COVID? Well, he got a late start to camp, so okay. he his he actually had COVID before the pitchers and catchers showed up, and he was a late arrival, and it wasn't you know I'm, I'm trying to remember when exactly he did, it was at least, I want to say it was, a little, it was probably at least a good week before, um, after other guys were here before he actually started taking part in stuff. Um, time frame is I'm not exact on, but, um, I know it was last week. I want to say it was the first time he got into a, a B game or a simulated game. And then he got into a cactus league game, but I mean, that's, you know, that's a couple of weeks into cactus league play before you saw him get out there in actual game setting. So he was, you know, set back at least a couple of weeks. Um, and that's just in terms of us seeing him. But talking to him, I think he was set back a lot more than that just in terms of physically and, and where he was compared to where he now sort of has to start over. Okay, let's let's hear from Josh Stalmont and what he had to say about uh, where he was physically. It was really – I was really struck by his, uh, you know, h- how much weight he had lost and just other – uh, ailments from from COVID nineteen. Let's let's listen to Josh Stalmont. Like it's really been disclosed, but because I contracted you know COVID right before coming in here, 
um, got hit pretty hard. It was not it was not, not, not a, a light, light case. It, I I lost a ton of weight at some point. You know, I was sleeping about twenty hours a day. Terrible fever. You know, hundred three plus. And I mean, it just it really kills you. My health right now is completely normal. Um, but if we're comparing it to other physical, you know, incredible athletes on this field, it's, it's just not where it needs to be at this moment, but we got two, three weeks left. So, um, I am extremely encouraged as to what we've gotten back so far. So, um, with a little bit more time and, you know, effort, we can, we can kind of gain back that energy. Um, but at the end of the day, we, uh, we fall asleep pretty easy, even after the, uh, you know, that 10 day, 14 day quarantine, you, you, you are not ready to jump back in. Um, there, there is a buildup that's needed. So I, you know, I take another step and congratulate all these guys that had to deal with it last year. I know guys had extremely hard cases and they had to jump right back into a, you know, that season last year. Um, so moving forward, I think it's the knowledge, uh, that has, you know, been collected that allows us players to, to really hit this kind of better moving forward. Yeah, wow, twenty pounds. He said he lost. That's that, that that's something. Um, listen, when when he when he was good, he, he's terrific. Uh, he, the, the, this guy is uh, he's the real deal, and I think the Royals need him back. And you know, as a hundred percent as he he possibly can be. Um, but what about the rest of the bullpen, though? Uh, with with Tyler Zuber option to Omaha, that that leaves a hole. There seems like there are some candidates. Uh, can we run down the obvious bullpen guys and and see what the maybe what the uh, the, the the group would be for the, the the final couple of spots? I'll I'll run them down, Lynn, and you you tell me if I'm if I'm off or, or not on this. I I've got Stamont, um, Scott Barlow, Jacob Junis. Uh, Greg Holland, Wade Davis, Jesse Hond, Kyle Zimmer. That's seven. Are those? Do you think those? Is is that a pretty solid seven? I think so. And I'm still, um, you know, I think it's. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how they're going to use Junis because we keep hearing about you know maybe he'll be able to give you more than just like an inning at a time, but they think he'd be really good at an in that role as an inning at a time. And also keeping in mind that, you know, he's still pitched more innings than most of the guys they've got in the rotation right now. Um, but I think he's he's he factors into the staff. I just don't know if he's going to be a straight bullpen guy or, you know, or what, be a swing type guy or, you know. And early in the season, I mean, I think we saw this in 2019 where early in the season, because you didn't need an extra starter for the first couple of weeks, they sort of played around with the roster like there were starters who weren't on that opening day roster that you knew were going to start. So I don't know if they, if they would do that this year. Um, but, um, but those guys that you listed, um, I think are definitely, you know, should be in that mix. I'm not sure if a guy like, you know, love lady gets in there because, um, uh, Matheny has been pretty clear that he's not wed to the idea that you have to have a left-hander just because he's a left-hander. Like he's, that's not a factor at all for him. If, if he feels like that guy can pitch and can get guys out both sides, then sure, if he's one of your best options. But he's not picking a lefty just because he's lefty. So, um, But they have talked him up, and they've been um, you know, pretty impressed with what he's done. Um, there's some young guys like, um, you know, like Brent's, um, another left-hander who you know, they might take a look at. And I don't know if any of the you know, um, a veteran like Brock, Brad Brock, or um, Urban Santana would factor into that mix at all either. I mean, I think that right now they would, but 
Um, that that's some of the decisions I have to make in this next week because those guys are on minor league contracts. Guys like that who usually have uh, the ability to opt out, depending on what happens as the season gets closer. Okay, Jason Paddock uh, asks uh, Solaire and Perez at DH when Perez isn't catching. Perez at DH when when he's not catching. That seems right, doesn't it? Uh, Sal Perez DH when Cam Gallagher's in there. Um, and maybe you give Solaire when he gets a day off, you can see Salvi getting some at bats at DH. It's possible. I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, last year was a little different too because, you know, Solaire was hurt. Um, so I think Sal probably got more DH time. Um, but if you ask Sal, Sal says he's going to catch 162, which is, I mean, I, I'm still waiting to see that. Uh, <laughs> something tells me if that happens that, you know, um, there's probably going to be some 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 furniture moving somewhere in that office. <laughs> I don't think they can run Salvi out there for 162 games catching. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he gets a little DH time. But um, Solaire did, you know, the last full season we saw when he was actually fully healthy, he, he started. I want to say, and some of that was in the outfield. But I mean, he he started 161 games and played 162, um, which was you know monumental for his career with all the injuries and everything. Okay, guys, we'll, we'll leave it there for the week. Uh, great conversation. There were so many topics I wanted to get to. Um, let me just run them down real quick and maybe, uh, maybe we'll get to them next week. You know, Nick Keith being set down, what I thought was interesting this week. Um, uh, the Royals kind of ironed out their, their TV deal. They're, they're going to be on Valley sports, Kansas city. I just think that's a rebranding of Fox sports, KC, um, the Royals came out with their, their season slogan this morning, go to, uh, you'll see it done commercials ad nauseum, uh, now for the, well, for the rest of the season Royals together, I think is the hashtag for that. So, Hey, wanted to thank Lynn Worthy and Sam Mellinger for, for being here today and sharing their knowledge with the Royals and big thanks to Kathy Bolden, Marcus Dorsey for putting together today's show in the absence of Beth Welsh. Um, we'll, we'll see Beth again next week and we'll be back a week from today on Sports Be Live as opening day draws closer so you guys have a good week and we'll talk to you again next Thursday good to see you that'll do it for today thanks to our Sports Beat KC production staff of Derek Donovan Beth Welsh Monty Davis Jeff Rosen Chris Fickett and Savannah Smith also today we say thanks to Candy Bolden and Marcus Dorsey who produced Sports Beat Live a tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy and Sam Mellinger for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. For a limited time, you can su- subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's the Star Sports section online, plus additional stories about Kansas City sports. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. And what a time to be a subscriber. The Royals are at spring training two weeks from opening day. March Madness is here. The first games are today with the first four. And, of course, with free agency now, it's never not Chiefs season. So how do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And 
If you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday with another episode.